Hello and welcome to another Tag One Team Talk episode, the podcast and blog of Tag One Consulting. Today, we're going to be talking about how Drupal 7 end of life is being postponed again until at least November 2023. So stick around to learn about what that means for you and how D7 is going to continue to operate for the foreseeable future. And while we have a lot of good news for users of Drupal 7, we also have some sad news for users of Drupal 6. Drupal 6 went end of life about six years ago. And today we're going to be talking about how we're going to be winding down extended support for Drupal 6 and officially ending all support for the platform. I'm Michael Myers. I'm the Managing Director of Tag One Consulting. For those of you who aren't familiar with Tag One, we're the number two all-time contributor to Drupal, and we build large-scale applications for global 500 companies and large organizations in every sector using Drupal as well as many other technologies. We'd love to hear from you about your upcoming projects and talk about how we can help. You can email us at support at tagone.com. That's T-A-G, the number one, dot com. We're also one of the official providers of Drupal 7 extended support and the only remaining provider of Drupal 6 long-term support, which is going to be the focus of our talk today. I'm joined by a very special guest. Tim Lennon is the Chief Technology Officer at the Drupal Association. Welcome, Tim. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. Really glad to be back on the podcast. It's great to have you. Frequent guest. Um, I know when people think about the DA, and, and we've mentioned this a lot, you know, too often, they only think of DrupalCon. And wow. while DrupalCons are amazing and, and a really fundamental part of the Drupal community, and the DA is a big reason for why they're so awesome and amazing, uh, DrupalCon is really only a small part of what the Drupal Association does. Um, so Tim and his team are responsible for keeping the Drupal project up and running. You know, they do everything from uh, maintaining and building out all of the tooling for the project. This ranges from, you know, Drupal.org, the main, you know, property where people learn about and get engaged in the platform through to, you know, the massively scalable automated quality and assurance and testing system that checks every proposed commit to Drupal amongst a myriad of different systems. It's such an awesome thing. Um, and, you know, Tim and his team lead a, a lot of initiatives uh, to keep our project and our tooling on the cutting edge, you know, things like migrating the project to GitLab. Um, I don't know if I can talk about this, but I'm going to mention anyway, <laughs> there's a, a really exciting uh, single sign-on initiative that they have going. Yep. Yep. Um, and, you know, really trying to lower the barrier to entry and get more people involved in Drupal and make it easier to get across Drupal projects and entities. Um, so, you know, Tim, uh, thank you for, for all your work in, in, in keeping the project running. You guys are really the unsung heroes, you know, too much behind the curtain. And, um, you know, sure. uh, what we're going to be, you know, talking about today is you also help establish and enforce governance and policy for the project. It's, it's you know, beyond just the conferences, beyond just the technology, um, running a project at the scale of Drupal uh, requires, uh, you know, a, a really well thought out community and governance system. And um, as part of that is how and when we end of life versions of Drupal. Yep, yep, absolutely. Well, first of all, let me thank you again for, you know, welcoming back to the show and, and say, uh, for all the high praise that you've, you've heaped on my team, which I, I really appreciate, they do amazing work. We couldn't do it without uh, the partners who support the Drupal Association, right? We're a nonprofit foundation. Um, it requires the help of a whole community of individual members and businesses who step up to support our work. 
Um, and Tag One, of course, has been a huge partner for us and continues to be a huge partner, not only through your participation in things like the extended support and long-term support programs, but also with projects uh, that the Drupal Association is undertaking and helping with managing some of that same infrastructure we just talked about for Drupal.org. So the partnership we have with you and others in the community really multiplies what we can do because we're, we're a very small team, but we can have an outsized impact on a large global community. Um, and it's thanks to your support. So again, thank you very much. And thanks for having me. Of course. Yeah, your impact is huge. And uh, I'm going to plug this multiple times throughout, you know, people are going to start to feel like this is a PBS telethon. Uh, <laughs> please, you know, if you are not an individual or, or enterprise supporting member of the Drupal Association, and you use Drupal, you're making, you know, a big mistake. And, and it's a disservice to you and your organization. Uh, there are so many benefits from getting involved and engaging with the Drupal Association and making Drupal a better project. So, so please find a way to contribute. Uh, that could be resources. It could be financial funding. There's many of different ways and opportunities for you to get engaged and it will pay dividends. You know, we've, we've seen nothing but, you know, uh, uh, amazing results out of our participation in the community. It's what drives our business. You know, people come to us because we're engaged in the community and of our reputation for contributing to Drupal. So yeah, yeah, um, that true that true commitment to open source really shines through in those in those partners who do commit. And I I firmly believe it makes a huge difference in the the business they can get and the the, the scale and quality of the projects they do. And we see that in in what you all do all the time. So awesome. awesome. So Drupal seven. Uh, it was originally it was going to reach end of life. I think it was what was it, like twenty twenty. And I think was, the, ori the original target date was going to be November 2020. Yep. And then, um, well, and then there was this pandemic thing <laughs> that we're still living with. Um, and, uh, and we had, there was an initial extension to 2021, and then another extension to 2022. And of course, we're here today because um, there has been another PSA released by the Drupal security team that Drupal 7 end of life is being extended again by another year. Um, and um, we'll get into why that is and the motivation behind the decision. Um, but uh, we've also sort of changed the policy around these extensions. Um, the next, it, the, the current extension that just went out is at least through November of 2023, but this time around we're leaving the door open for possible additional annual extensions as needed. And, and we can start talking about why. Uh, as we yeah. go. Um, so let, let's stick with that for a second. Um, you know, I, I, everywhere you see it, it, you know, everyone is saying until 2020, 20, 2023 at the earliest. Um, yeah. And so um, what does that mean? Like, you know, it, are there going to be future extensions? Um, yeah. Um, so what it means is there may very well be future extensions. What it means is we are going to, and by we, I mean uh, myself and the Drupal Association team, the Drupal security team, um, and uh, project leadership like Drees, as well as any of the partners who might participate in the extended support program, like yourselves at Tag One, are going to be regrouping to understand as we get closer to the next state, um, is it time to, to move into an end of life for Drupal or, um, is the community still thriving on Drupal 7, right? Drupal 7 is a huge part of the Drupal ecosystem. Um, and as long as it is, it keeps thriving and we're able to keep supporting it, um, we wanna keep that running and let people do, do what they're doing. Mm -hmm. 
So 2023 at the earliest, it'll be revisited on a yearly basis moving forward. And yeah. obviously, you know, organizations need to plan. So yes. Yes. Um, are you going to give us a heads up, you know, in advance of any decision? Yes, absolutely. So no matter what, there will be at least six months notice uh, of what's going to happen next. So six months before the November 23 date, we will be saying either, hey, there's another extension or we're going to go into an extended support program or you know, whatever else the decision is. There'll be a minimum of six months notice before that date. Um, and when we do these extensions, they'll be for at least a year. So you'll always get another 12 months uh, back to your planning cycle if we do announce an extension. And that's and that's a really good situation for folks, I think, because I mean, right now, this means um, as of today's PSA, right, any organizations out there who are currently on seven have at least 20 more months of community support. So that's, that's you know, getting close to two years um, for people to sort of think about what they're doing. Um, and how they want to move forward. So um, hopefully people will find that reassuring because I know, and I know that you've, this is something you've experienced as well, you know, there's a lot of people out there in their community for whom what they're doing with Drupal 7 is actually, it's working really well. It meets all their business needs. They don't have a sort of fundamental reason to change that technology um, and they want to keep doing what they're doing. Drupal 7 is, is an amazing technology platform and you know, we'll talk more about, you know, motivations and reasons to migrate, but, you know, if your business, as you said, is, or your organization is seeing a lot of success through your technology platform, you know, you shouldn't be forced to migrate. And, yeah. you know, one of my favorite things about Drupal is, you know, Drupal, I think, puts people in control of their technology, whether that's enabling business users to, you know, uh, develop their sites through things like views and reducing their reliance on developers, through to how we handle end of life and extended support and giving you, you know, paid options or even open source options to continue to run your technology platform, you know, well after end of life. And, you know, the, 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 the release cycles on these platforms is, is crazy long, right? I yeah. mean, Drupal 7 has been around for a really, really long time at this point, you know, so you're talking about getting 10, 12, 15 years of use out of your technology stack like that's i mean no one keeps a phone for, for no. 10, 12 years like you know for for a modern nobody's still running platform. on windows you know vista or or you know, <laughs> very few people yeah <laughs> these kinds of things right you don't typically keep on keep on these sort of old versions of software and part of it is because while we always refer to Drupal 7 with its single major version number, it, it's been updated continuously through that whole decade, right? It's not, it's not like it's really literally 12 years old, but the beginning of its story was, was that long ago. Um, and as much as there's you know, more innovation and new technology models and you know, more forward thinking going on in Drupal 8 and beyond in where we are now, there's still really innovative use cases that people are continuing to do in Drupal 7. So we, um, we just launched a, a massive Drupal 7 site for a Fortune 500 company. Um, yeah. They do uh, a lot of Drupal 9 uh, sites, but in this particular use case, given you know, the components that they had, we were able to launch you know, an insanely impressive site very, very quickly. You know, so the, the investment in it was minimal and, you know, 
now the Drupal seven is going end of life, but it didn't really matter, you know, because one, we, you know, we're the extended support providers, right? Exactly. Seven maintainer, like we had zero hesitation and concern in our ability to continue to build out this platform. Um, and, you know, I, I hear a lot of reasons and rationale from people. And we'll talk more about this later. Like, why would you, you know, Oh, you need to upgrade because you're not getting access to the latest integrations and features sure, and functionality. Sure, yeah. uh, and, and that's true. But if you're an organization like this one or Johnson and Johnson or, or whoever, and you've hundreds of Drupal sites and tens of millions of dollars invested in your technology stack, adding a feature to Drupal seven is trivial. You compared know. to a full replatforming for sure. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's one of those things. It's interesting that we talk about these users, right. And cause that's, I mean, ultimately, uh, when it comes down to why we're making this decision and why we're making further extensions, right? We can talk a little bit about some of the metrics we're looking at. Like we're, we're looking at things like how many use, how many Drupal 7 sites out there are still reporting update statistics to Drupal.org, for example. It's a little bit over 50% of our total Drupal community. So that's certainly a factor. Um, but the, the, the larger factor is we have these stories from different users at all levels of of complexity, right? So there's absolutely the sort of Fortune 500 levels, there's big pharma companies, there's universities all over the place with major Drupal 7 installations um, and government entities as well. But there's also the small nonprofits, the, the sort of the little guys for whom some of those, uh, there may be a time in which some of those like really cutting edge technology features and aid and beyond are things that they want to get into that become an ambitious part of what they're doing. But in the meantime, for, for a small nonprofit operation, um, they're also perfectly happy in the, in the Drupal 7 environment and they, they could really use the help. So we're trying, there are things that we're going to look at this collective group as, as signals for, for kind of the continued health and interest in Drupal 7, but it ultimately it's going to come down to sort of empathy for the users and, and understanding their use case and, and who's still there. So these are all factors that the various stakeholders are going to have to consider uh, in the future when this sort yes. of, you know, renewal decision is going to happen. And I love the fact that you guys are considering all these different stakeholders and factors and making a really thoughtful decision. And, and I think, you know, as a community, I love, you know, everybody takes off their sort of business hat and says, how do we make a decision in the best interest of Drupal? Yeah. And, you know, that's what you see happening here in extending it. You know, there yeah. are people who already migrated. They're going to say, oh man, I, I wish you guys did this a year ago. I, I, yeah. I would have yeah. loved to have stayed on it. And, you know, unfortunately, you know, we, we can never make everybody happy. Yeah. Um, you know, that's the really unfortunate situation that we're in. And, and we're really just trying to make the, the best decision for the community overall. And, and I, I think that's clearly what was done here. Hopefully, you know, everyone in the end will benefit from it and, and see it in that same way. Yeah. And, you know, it's a hard problem space to, to live in. I, you know, I, for other, even for people out there listening who might be uh, maintaining sort of the internal technology stack on their teams or a contributed module or something like that. Like you have that change, same sort of challenge in microcosm when you're thinking about how long you're going to support something and when to cut a new version, whether to support legacy features and things like that. 
at the scale that we're at, it's very difficult. And it requires sacrifices from our partners, from people who are involved in the extended support program, balancing you know, the, the business needs versus the community needs and trying to find a way to align those two together, which I know is very difficult. And it involves tricky things for us as well. Inside on the, the Drupal Association side, we need to now continue to support all of the packaging infrastructure and security testing and everything for Drupal 7 for sort of an indefinite period of time, at least through 23. Um, so, you know, it's not an easy decision and it can be a painful one. And sometimes that's the way the right decision is. Um, and, and we've just got to do it anyway. Yeah, you know, I... I there are pros and cons to it. And, and one of the reasons that Drupal 7, you know, and, and all versions of Drupal and any software for that matter reach end of life is that there's a, uh, a significant cost to maintaining and running them. Yeah. And, you know, the community has only, and the, and the Drupal Association only has so much bandwidth and resources. And so, you know, while we strongly believe it is in the best interest to continue operating D7, we need to be careful that that doesn't, you know, distract us from or prohibit us from accelerating the growth of uh, Drupal 9 and 10. And that's the challenge that the community now has to deal with um, in, in making this happen. And I, I think we're all hoping that the users of Drupal 7 are going to step up and, and help support the platform. Initially, it was going to be through, uh, say, Drupal 7 extended support. Um, you know, what, what's good about this is hopefully more companies are going to get engaged in the community itself. Yeah, uh, I, I think so, there's, sorry. oh, sorry, I was just going to say, I think there's opportunity here for, um, for, like you said, sort of further engagement and not just on the level of the companies who directly do Drupal services, but I think there's a lot of these end user organizations out there who have stakes in, in helping to support the ongoing support of Drupal 7 for their particular use cases. And, you know, fundamentally, a project at the scale of Drupal could never be supported entirely on the shoulders of a few, you know, paid uh, developers of a small nonprofit or even of a few sponsored developers of the community. It's open source. And the reason that open source can scale is because of these commitments. Um, and, you know, there, there's, there's a little bit of risk there. There's a little bit of understanding, okay, well, how, how much commitment will people make? What we will see? I'm encouraged by the fact that um, recently uh, some Drupal 7 contributed modules were effectively unmaintained. They, were un they had some security issues that hadn't been resolved and they went, were flipped to an unmaintained status. And we had more than two dozen organizations step up to say, hey, no, that's important to me. I'd like to become a maintainer or find a way to participate and give that back some support um, for these Drupal 7 contrib modules. And that's a really strong sign that there are people who not only are still committed to using Drupal 7, but who are still committed to supporting it. So let's talk more about how things are going to work moving forward. Uh, I, I think we should really eliminate a lot of the confusion because you know, if you, if you read the PSA or our blog post, it's like, hey, things are going to continue to work the way they always have. <laughs> Not very specific, is it? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, exactly. What does that actually mean for my organization? And, and there's a lot of different factors. There's core development and what's going to happen in core development with respect to, say, compatibility upgrades and feature upgrades and security yeah. patches. And there's contrib. So let's kind of unwind this and, and, and walk through all of these, you know, different aspects 
uh, probably makes sense to start with, you know, Drupal core development itself. Yeah. Um, now, Drupal 7 has been around for a decade and yeah. people are adopting 9 and 10. There has been a very natural slowdown in core development. Um, at the same time, like you said, the community is doing PHP 8 support. I believe core is uh, PHP 8 ready or, or very close. Very close, yeah. Um, and so that's really amazing to see. Um, I think it's I think it's really interesting because one way to think about it is in terms of sort of a product maturity life cycle, right? So Drupal 7 is uh, effectively a mature product. And so what were your... What we're seeing and what we hope to continue to see is that, you know, we're not gonna we're not gonna have the brand new breakthrough, highly innovative uh, chip into your brain CMS features or whatever like that stuff's that's gonna come in future you know the modern versions of Drupal or whatever right but but what we are gonna see are exactly that um, we're gonna see people who are interested in compatibility upgrades with the other parts of the stack PHP eight being the one that's in progress right now. Um, we'll see, obviously, security patches and things like that, those kinds of things. Um, and we may see continued bug fixes and small feature improvements in some of these systems um, as core contributors or as these large end user organizations who are still using 7 need them and decide to contribute them back. Um, but for the most part, we can, sit, can, can treat it as a mature product model where, um, you know, it's sort of maintenance and sustenance. Uh, uh, rather than you know a big innovation drive, that makes sense. And and for everybody who's who's listening or watching, you are the Drupal community, right? And yep. so if if you want to see something happen, you know, step in and make it happen, right? More yep. so than ever, you know, Drupal Seven is dependent upon you. You know, if you want some sort of innovative feature, you could make it happen. If you just want compatibility upgrades, you can help make that happen too. Um, you know, what's going to happen with Drupal 7 is dependent upon the community, but I like your life cycle uh, view. That is, you know, I think where we're at. It's a very mature product. We're going to see people should plan to see what you described. Um, it's not impossible to do anything beyond that. It's just not likely that a company is going to come in and make that kind of investment. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it certainly could happen, right? It's open source and amazing things happen in the community all the time and people, people choose to do some awesome things. Um, but, you know, that's, that would be where I would set my expectations for, for what we'll see. The security team is going to still be doing what they do. Um, and that's something that I realize here is not necessarily totally clear to everyone. I'm not sure everyone knows exactly how the security team usually works. So to, to lay it out a little bit, so there's a security working group and then a security team. And the working group makes kind of the policy decisions and things like that. Uh, and that's two or three people, uh, typically, depending on who's currently in rotation. And then the team is as many as 40 people uh, who are uh, from all parts of the Drupal community, volunteers, sponsored by companies who do a lot of Drupal work, end user uh, representatives, things like that, who... Um, our experts in security are specifically experts in Drupal security, and they are they play more of a, a sort of a coordination role than necessarily a directly solving or seeking issues role. So the security team handles a responsible disclosure process for people reporting issues um, in core or contrib, um, making sure that, hey, there is a channel for someone to say, hey, I think I found a security vulnerability without you know, disclosing it in public before there's a fix. 
That team will try and work with the maintainers of a contributed module if the report came for their module or their work with the core maintainers. Folks may directly work on the security fix or they might engage with the, um, those maintainers to try and develop the fix. Um, and in some rare cases, they've also tapped into funding or used grant funding from the association to try and do key fixes or hardening um, for uh, certain aspects of the project. So um, it's really good work. And just like every other part of open source, they don't take the responsibility for the security of everything on their shoulders. They're a powerful and awesome group of volunteers who, who let the kind of security posture scale by coordinating together with these, uh, with these other maintainers and, and reporters and participants. So to, to sum up, over the last 10 years, Drupal 7 has operated you know, in this fashion, it's going to continue to operate in that fashion and expectations should be that, you know, we're just in a more mature part of the life cycle and, you know, we're going to see specific kinds of contributions. Uh, the, the, the most important, you're going to get compatibility upgrades for key things like PHP and more important than anything else, you're going to get security patches and we're going to make sure the security team is going to continue to make sure that uh, Drupal 7 remains secure moving forward. So that's, that's pretty key. Yep, absolutely. Uh, so that's Drupal core. Um, then there's Drupal contrib, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. What's going on with Drupal contrib for Drupal 7? That's a really good question. And it's, it's interesting because the scale, I don't know if everyone really knows the full scale of, uh, of contrib because there's actually... Uh, I think there's crossing all versions of Drupal. I think we host 40,000 repos with all of the core and contrib repos. And uh, for, I think for seven contrib, it's something like 30,000 of those are technically seven, seven contrib. Now, probably the vast majority of installations there use something out of the top 100 even or top 500, certainly. But there's a lot. There's a huge scope of integrations and custom features and all these sorts of things that have been built in the Contrib ecosystem over the course of a decade. Mm -hmm. um, and depending on where you're looking, um, there's, a, there's a sort of similar situation. So um, some Drupal 7 developers uh, who, who run Contrib may be doing ongoing maintenance, but for many of them, it is also in a like mature product mode. They're probably not adding new features. They may be doing those on their, you know, Drupal 9 and above branches rather than their Drupal 7 branches. In some cases, some of them are still doing significant things. Like they might do uh, some innovative feature in their 9 and 10 branch and backport it still to their Drupal 7 versions. It's going to depend a lot on what, what contrib module you're talking about. Mm -hmm. um, there are also contrib maintainers who have kind of mostly moved on from Drupal 7. So they've got a stable version out there. It has no known security issues, but it's not necessarily getting a lot of attention. Um, and that's fine. It'll, it, uh, you know, those things still work. They're still, they're for the most part, still compatible. Um, and if they're opted into the security coverage, they will still get that same kind of responsible disclosure process that we described for the Drupal core stuff. Um, so you should be in the same place where uh, those key modules you depend on um, can get security and maintenance support. Maybe not a lot of new features, but that'll depend. Um, some of these things will. Um, and you know, going back to my anecdote earlier, even in the case where some of our module maintainers 
um, are sort of choosing to maybe opt out of continuing support and things like that. What we've seen um, very dramatically is when something that's well used gets marked unsupported, we have tons of people stepping forward to pick it up and become those maintainers. And you know, you said this earlier, but to anybody listening out there, that's an amazing way to get involved in the community and help, you know, um, support your own sites that you're using and uh, keep keep Drupal 7 alive. Definitely. Even if it hasn't been marked unsupported yet officially, uh, and I want to come back to that in a second, like what that is and how that works, because, yeah, you know, yeah. I don't think that's a well-known topic. Um, sure. But even if something isn't marked unsupported yet officially, you know, maintainers may not be actively maintaining their modules anymore. And there has always been a process for you to request ownership of that module. And it's great to see, you know, organizations and individuals coming in and doing that. And so yes. if you want to make a change to a module and you're not getting a response from the maintainers, you can request to take ownership of that. Um, if you as an organization or, you know, aren't, uh, you know, able to do so for whatever reason, you don't have the time, the resources, the know-how, you can partner with organizations, yes. but, you know. That, that's, a, I think there's, there's a number of organizations, uh, including yourselves, who have partnered with a lot of end users to help maintain key modules that are part of their, their uh, stack. So, um, and, and that's, that's a, a really good way. You know, I'll, I speak to a lot of people at end user organizations who aren't necessarily structured to directly participate in open source contribution from sort of a corporate culture point of view. Um, but often what they can do is, is build a support contract and work with a, a partner like, like Tagwan or many of the others in the community and, and set up something to say, hey, help us support this module. Um, and that's a, that's a good alternative as well. Um, and, you know, you're, you, the options aren't totally binary either. It's not just, hey, this module seems to be abandoned or it's fully maintained. There may be ones that have some activity and you could co-maintain. There's a, For a lesser level of commitment, you could come in and just, just broaden the base of people who will be there to support that. I think every maintainer, most maintainers would love a co-maintainer. So. Yeah. Definitely. If, if something's important to you, uh, you know, there's, there's no downside to getting involved. Um, so, you know, Tim, you mentioned that, you know, modules get marked as unsupported. You know, I, I know uh, uh, there's a process and a timing to when that happens and reasons as yeah. to when it happens. Like, could you explain how all that works? And, and, and should we be expecting that a large number of modules are about to get marked unmaintained? I don't think so. Um, to answer the last question first, um, I think so. Let's let's break this into two categories. So maintainership of modules has the part that's sort of in control of the active maintainers, and then it has what we do as a larger community to kind of maintain the whole ecosystem of modules. So an individual maintainer, of course, has control over the, the, the module that they've contributed back. And, and they can, you'll see this if you ever visit these module pages when you're browsing, they can set some options to say, hey, I'm, I'm actively maintaining this, or I'm looking for co-maintainers, or they, they themselves can say, oh, I'm not supporting this anymore. Um, and it'll just be marked as, as unsupported. And I'll come back to what you can do if you see a module in that state that you need. The flip side of that is the sort of grooming that happens on a, on a larger level as we sort of monitor these things. So in particular, 
um, this is mostly a security team process. So if there's a module in the contrib ecosystem and a security issue is reported for that module um, and the maintainer is non-responsive for some number of weeks um, or they can't reach the maintainer anymore and it appears that there's just no one there on the other end, or if they kind of get involved, but it peters out and never gets solved. If there's, you know, if it winds up with this known unresolved security issue or something like that, then eventually uh, that module will be marked unsupported. And typically the security team does try to reach out to people who, you know, maybe they weren't the maintainer, but they'd contributed a patch in the issue queue before or something like that. Like they typically try to find someone who's willing to take it over. But this kind of last resort is, hey, there's a known security issue for this module. Um, and, you know, we can't leave that lingering. So they'll mark the module unsupported. They usually do it in batches. So if there's, um, if there's five or six modules that have been in that state and they've been trying to contact folks for six weeks or something like that, they might mark a batch as unsupported. Um, and then what happens from there, if a module is unsupported is uh, effectively it becomes accepting new maintainers. If someone wants to take it over at that point, any, uh, anyone in the community, preferably someone who has already uh, had experience maintaining a module or following the security team process can step forward and say, hey, I'd like to take it over, solve that known security issue and make it a supported module again. Yep. So you mentioned, you know, there is an insanely diverse ecosystem of modules and yes. you have really small modules like admin toolbar that I love and can't believe isn't part of core. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, that is small, but like indispensable and like crazy valuable and, and that not to trivialize it, but that's something that a lot of people could come in and maintain. Yeah. On the flip side, you have something like views that is now in core that is this monstrous beast <laughs> you know it is um, it's, it's incredibly powerful but man is it a complex system to try and understand for sure yeah um every drupal 7 site or or the you know the vast majority of these yeah. is reliant on drupal 7 and it's just simply not something or it's unlikely that a person or a company is going to come in with the expertise and the resources to be the contributor um, yeah, it, it, so, for, for a bit, for some of these big modules, uh, views especially is the perfect example, right? The idea that any single person could come in and take over as the sole new maintainer of something like that is pretty unlikely. And that's that, but that's another reason, you know, the flip side of that is part of the reason those are so big and complex is because they're so important and so well used. And there's already quite a lot of people who are, uh, if not in the maintainer's list right now, there's quite a lot of people who contribute. So that's another place where, again, co-maintainership, you're not having to feel like you're the sole maintainer is, is a good place to be. Um, it's also a place where we might need to consider rallying some effort in some specific ways. If something came up that really needed, you know, if there was some issue with, with Drupal 7, either, excuse me, with views, in Drupal 7, like um, some problem with compatibility that wasn't going to be fixed on a community level or security issue that wasn't going to be fixed on the community level. Um, we, as in the Drupal Association, together with security team and other folks, maybe we would try sort of a, a crowdfunding campaign or something like that to sort of rally folks around, hey, this is, this is really important. It's, you know, a top five module for this ecosystem. And 
we're going to take some extra attention to see if we can rally some support around that. And, and we'll have to take that case by case by case as we see things. Awesome. Yeah, I think there's some really interesting things that can be done there. Uh, again, hopefully the community is going to step up and, and, and we don't need to get into that realm and territory. Um, yeah. But there's definitely some edge cases there that are going to require a community lift. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and that's the thing, you know, we, we, we got to have faith in, in open source and the whole principle of what we do when, the, when there is more than what a single person can do, that's when open source does its best. So, yep. And I love, this has become, you know, like I need forcing functions in my life to get things done. I'll, I'll admit it. Like, you know, it's simple, whether it's a deadline or, or whatever, yep. um, I, you know, what I'm really excited about this is this seems to be a forcing function to getting organizations that historically weren't as engaged in Drupal more engaged. You know, you, you mentioned earlier that, you know, uh, a lot of modules were marked unsupported, you know, a dozen or whatever it was, maybe not a lot, but, you know, and, and, and there was a clamoring, you know, a stampede yeah. of organizations that came in and said, whoa, I need this. Let me, you know, how can we help support it? And so uh, yeah. I'm actually really excited and, and hope that we're going to continue to see that happen. Mm -hmm. um, and if that's the case, when we look at the factors for whether or not we're going to you know, extend the life of Drupal 7 in the future, you know, the, the contributions being done by the community are an important factor in that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it's not just the end user side of the equation. The, the, if the contributor ecosystem is strong and really showing that they want to keep stepping up and want to keep supporting, that's going to encourage us to say, yes, we, we can commit to yet another year of support or another and another as, as it goes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, that was a big reason for needing extended support, I think, is because, um, you know, because of its maturity and where it is in the life cycle, fewer people were contributing and, you know, the security team wanting to move on and, or needing to move on. So, you know, there are many reasons that extended support could benefit. And, it's, and it still may be part of the solution. It's just we we came to the, after after much soul searching, as you know, we came to the decision that right now wasn't the time to kick it off. Yeah. Yep, totally. Um, and, and, and we'll see what the future brings. I, I'm, I'm hopeful that the community, I really want to see the community step up. That would be a dream come true to see mm -hmm. more people get engaged. And then I hope that reverberates, you know, that would be something that would have a really positive impact on Drupal and, and open source in general, right? You yeah. know, uh, every open source project in the world is trying to get more people to contribute resources and, and finances. Yeah. And so, you know, maybe we'll learn something out of this that can help. Yeah, I, I mean, you, you raise a really good point and, you know, I don't want to take our whole time on this, but because I know we, we still have to cover you know, what people should do if they're on D7 and talk about D6. But um, for me, what's really interesting about this is this is a little bit of an unexplored milestone. It's not that other open source projects haven't had, you know, mature versions starting to reach end of life and things like that. But it is still like, it's a relatively novel situation to understand how the open source movement, not just our community, um, is going to begin to handle sustainability, uh, concepts of long-term support or mature product life cycles and go from there. So hopefully we can blaze a little bit of a trail that uh, will help us again further in future and maybe help other projects. And hopefully we can also learn from other people in a similar situation. Yeah. I mean, uh, Drupal 7 was released uh, in January of 2011. 
yeah. was in development for years before that. I, I know we uh, at Examiner, we used it before its release. Um, yeah. So you know, people have been on this platform for 11 years, um, yeah. you know, 12 years. And, um, you know, the fact that they're going to get another, you know, two years out of it and, and then mm -hmm. potentially extended support for five years beyond that. Um, it, it really begs the question, you know, if I'm on Drupal 7, you know, uh, should I migrate off Drupal 7? Should I, should I stick around on Drupal 7? Like, I'm sure a lot of organizations uh, have been struggling with this question for, you know, three years now, as we've kind of kept extending and yeah. like, there's no one size fits all answer, right? I think that's right. I think it's, it's um, you know, we talked a second ago about forcing functions and sometimes, you know, you're in a situation like that and it's like, you know, if if it was going end of life, or if there wasn't an extended support option, or if, you know, if none of that was available, then maybe you'd have a forcing function, and you just you just have to do it because you had to. But that's never a great reason to do something, right? You want you want to be making a big business decision about your technology platform based on your business requirements, like based on your users, based on the technology you need, based on your vision for what you want to do for the next several years, and. You know, that's the question to start with, rather than the question of seven or nine, right? Like, you know, you, you want to start with your needs and then see which option kind of fits what you're doing um, and what you should consider. And, and there's definitely a bunch of factors to think about. We did a, a DrupalCon presentation. Uh, I think it was the last DrupalCon, North American DrupalCon. One of our uh, long-standing clients, uh, Turn Bicycles. They're a Taiwanese bicycle manufacturing company, e-bikes, folding bikes. Um, they were on Drupal 6. And oh, yeah. it was a really uh, beautiful site. I mean, it, it, you know, it really, uh, with the advent of views, put their marketing team in control of technology. They, they didn't need a development team to upgrade and manage their site and add content for many, many years. And they were, you know, as a growing company wanting to invest their money in new products, marketing, you know, many other areas, not their website. Yeah. And, you know, uh, through uh, Drupal 6 long-term support, which we're going to talk about next, they were able to continue running Drupal 6 many years after the end of life. They got well over a decade, you know, out of their investment, you know, a phenomenal return, right? Yeah. And then it got to yeah. the point where they're global distributors and they internally, it was starting to inhibit their business. And they said, okay, now we need to make a big investment in upgrading to eight or nine, I think it was nine. Um, and, and it made total sense to them at that time. Um, but you know, if you are getting a lot of value out of your site and, and there's no reason to migrate for the sake of migrating, um, that's an yeah. unnecessary expense. Exactly right. I mean, it's just, um, you know, the, the point of, of technology is to enable you to do new and more powerful things or do the things you already do more efficiently and things like that, right? And if you're getting that out of what you're seeing in your Drupal 7 site, if it is enabling you, if it's empowering your content editors to work without needing developer intervention, if it's doing all of these things, then it's still serving that purpose really, really well. At the same time, there will probably come a day where you're like, well, gosh, here's this, here's this thing in Drupal 10 that would really empower us too. 
um, here's, you know, here's this new tool that we would really like to have, or, you know, maybe, maybe we start wanting to do more of this sort of headless decoupled stuff in a more native way supported by like an API first uh, architecture like Drupal 9 and beyond have. So, um, but, but I think that's exactly right. It's, it's like, you are evaluating your technology based on how it enhances your business. And there is a, there's a time when what you've got on seven is, is serving all of those needs. And then in the future, there'll be a time when you're like, that is going to be the next generation of what we need. Yeah. One of the things that surprised me is we were one of the Drupal seven or are one of the Drupal seven extended support vendors. Um, we would get many calls a week from organizations, you know, because end of life was looming. Right. And it was coming up was, quick. Yeah. What was really surprising me, you know, everyone's, oh, you know, we're planning, we're trying to make decisions. We're concerned about end of life. And I would say the majority said, you know, we're, we're in the process of migrating or we plan to migrate and we just don't have enough time. So we need some support, you know, for some window of time after and, you know, end of life. And what, what I would tell them and, and what seemed to be a surprise to many organizations was that just because Drupal 7 was going end of life, doesn't mean that that's the end of the platform. Like the name yeah. is really a misnomer. Yeah, uh, you know, that's another one of those things. So like it, within our community, we typically mean end of life to mean um, sort of end of community support or sort of end of sort of the standard support. But yeah, historically, just like in the Drupal 6 example, it's followed by something like a long-term support or an extended support program or sort of some other way to, to try and keep supporting that. And, um, you know, doing the math, D6 LTS, you were the ones doing it. It was six years um, of support, or it will be by the time it winds down in October. Um, um, it just passed six years in February. Yeah. Okay. So it'll be six and a half by the time it finally winds down beyond. So, yeah, a huge amount of support. And, you know, that it'll will be in a similar position, right? Whether through the extensions or through additional extended support or both. Uh, for Drupal 7, um, where people, I think, can have some more confidence. They don't, they don't need to feel the fear of that forcing function. Now, that said, you know, you, you did talk about how some of these folks are like, hey, we have plans to migrate, and we just, we're not sure we have enough time. And if, if those people did have those good reasons to migrate, well, that's great, because now hopefully they do have enough time to, to move forward there. Definitely. Yeah. If it makes sense to migrate, by all means, do so. If it doesn't make sense, you know, stick around and know that, uh, Drupal 7 is going to be, you know, supported for at least another five years. If if history is any guide, you it's should very be likely it's going to keep forward. going for a while. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. We've already got two guaranteed and it could be three more purely in community support, depending on how it works out. But um, at the very least, there'll, there'll be some extended support after that, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, so hopefully this is, you know, really good news for the D7 community. Uh, I can't see how it isn't. Um, you know, so, um, you know, exciting news on the Drupal 7 front. Um, but, you know, as I mentioned at the top, some sad news for Drupal 6. Yeah. Um, Drupal 6 was uh, released in February of 2008, if, if memory serves. Um, and around eight years later in 2016, it was designated end of life. Um, if you include, you know, the pre-release development, you know, it was worked on for actively worked on for a decade, yeah. Um, yeah. Which again is is a pretty impressive uh, life cycle. Um, and then, you know, 
I'm really proud of what we as a community have done because after that end of life date in 2016, you know, we, we came out with this long-term support program, LTS, kind of the precursor to what's now called extended support. Yep. And, you know, in particular, uh, yourselves at Tagwin Consulting and then MyDrop Wizard were sort of two of the, the leading organizations running that long-term support program. And I think it was sort of instrumental in doing two of the things we just talked about, allowing people who are still on six the freedom to you know, keep following through on their business use case while they evaluated whether they were ready for the next step. Um, and then also giving those who were ready just the time they needed to do that upgrade process. Um, so yeah, I think it was really crucial and I think it was a really successful kind of program. So um, inactive development for eight to 10 years, um, LTS was announced, I believe we committed to a year, if I remember. I think, that, I think it was a pretty, pretty <laughs> basic, like early commitment at the first. Yeah. Um, and then my drop wizard and tag one said, okay, we'll do two more years, which led to three. And then, you know, we said, well, we're just going to continue to offer this indefinitely because there continues to remain interest. Um, and yeah, it's been six years now that, uh, six years as of February that we've been offering D6 LTS. Um, there are organizations that have been on D6 for 14 years. Yeah. which is, is, is and actually I think the, uh, the Drupal association is one of them for one of our subsites, uh, <laughs> group groups.drupal.org, which were actually almost <laughs> finally finished sunsetting <laughs> was one of those sites that was 14 years on Drupal six. Right. And speaking of continuing to use Drupal seven, Drupal.org is also still Drupal seven, although we are working on our personal upgrade set, but it, it's just, you know, again, it's like when we're meeting our primary use case, which is, providing a home for the community, tools for collaboration, a place to advance the project. Um, you know, we can do that on the platforms that we're on and then get ready to, to be part of showcasing the new platforms, which is another part of our role. And the users, I, I don't want to disclose specific names or, you know, or name anyone, but you know, the organizations that we work with off the top of my head include three Fortune 500 companies, at least one or two in, in the top 1,000 educational institutions, nonprofits, individuals, yeah. um, you know, it's the, the user base is, is really diverse. Um, and, you know, there's what, according to the usage statistics, I think there's around like somewhere between 12 and 15,000 sites currently running D6. It looks like that. Yeah. And, you know, and we use our usage stats in kind of a directional way because some folks turn those that reporting back to us off and it also picks up people's development and staging environments. But it's a rough it's a good rough uh, guess. And that's, you know, that's not an insignificant amount of sites, but it's relatively small compared to the, you know, the breadth of the roughly million total Drupal sites that are out there. And this is where what we talked about at the beginning comes into play, like ultimately there is a hard decision about when something has to come to an end, right? Um, yeah. And it's a combination of factors. It's how many sites, it's the nature of those sites. Um, it's also just a sense for what level of support is still there and whether there's a, whether there's a value in continuing to do that support, whether it's for the long-term support vendors or even the end users, you know, whether they're choosing to contribute and things like that, so. Yeah, this was a really hard, decision for us, um, you know, MyDrop Wizard ended their support for Drupal 6 last month. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, originally we had, you know, we had wanted to keep running it and, and we um, were talking about onboarding the My Drop Wizard clients. And, you know, ultimately it, it came down to like two factors for us. One, offering extended support is unpredictable mm-hmm. and requires yeah. extremely senior, rare resources. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, these are the people that we have on our biggest, you know, projects, our most important relationships. You're talking recurring seven figure contracts and, you know, they constantly have important deadlines with some sort of executive, you know, who's interested in the project. And all of a sudden uh, a security problem comes up and we need to take like a lead architect off this project that has a looming deadline to create a security patch. I mean, that's, or, that's brutal. 14 year old platform. Yeah. yeah. And it's, <laughs> it's interesting, but it actually speaks again to that sort of maturity model stuff. Like, again, when we look at the metrics in terms of all the, the sort of community sport or so perhaps the talent support, um, it, it's like when people talk about finding Fortran developers, <laughs> you know, if you can still find one, they're, they're worth their weight in gold. If you are one of those few places who still need one, but, but, but it, that is the thing, like, you need these people with high levels of expertise and they're still out there for sure, but they, you know, in their individual careers or, or as the, that community, they're also likely to gradually start moving on to the, to the newer and next things. Um, and that, you know, becomes a natural part of understanding when it's time to wind things down. Yeah. The resources were sort of begrudgingly doing it to support the community. The, the company, you know, Tagline was taking a lot of risk you know, with these big projects. And we just looked at this, we, you know, we, we can't, we can't do that. That's not smart for our business. Um, if you look at, you know, D6 LTS, we're losing money on it. We're doing it purely for the community at this point. Um, and so, you know, we went to our customers and we said, you know, the only way we could viably offer this is to have someone, you know, a retainer model, right? Yeah, right. You pay a developer to always be there, always be available. That way we can mitigate the risk to other projects yeah. And several of these Fortune 500 companies are like, well, you know, great, let's, let's, let's do that. You know, even if we have to do it together and I said, okay, here's how much it's going to cost. And they're like, no, we're not going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh my gosh. You know, um, and it, it turns out that way. Well, and so, and the funny thing is, right. Like sign of the time, maybe, you know, that, that does sort of mean, Hey, you know, it, it's, it's time, time to start moving on. But what I think is interesting here is, and what I want to encourage the audience to think um, is I think we should have a lot of gratitude towards yourselves, especially towards my drop wizard and towards all those people who made it possible for six to have its, you know, 14 year lifespan. Um, I think it's a tremendous contribution to the community. And as you said, you weren't making money doing it. You were, you were supporting a community because you felt it was the right thing to do. And it was important for relationships to clients and things like that. Sure. But, but there's many, many people who benefited. Um, and, um, and that's kind of, really worthy of the community's gratitude and certainly mine. Um, and I think we all appreciate that quite a bit. Thank you. Yeah. It breaks our heart to, to stop doing it because, you know, we do have relationships that rely on it. We do know there's a community out there. It's just long past its viability. And, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, so with a heavy heart, you know, we're winding it down. Uh, we want to give people time to transition. So what we're doing is, uh, we're not going to take on any more organizations because we just don't have the resourcing to onboard them. So unfortunately, mm-hmm. the MyDrop Wizard clients, we've had to tell them, no, we're sorry, um, you know, because we need to back out, you know, every uh, 
provider had their own patch sets. We need to back out every my drop wizard patch set, put all of ours in. Like it's just, yeah. it's, you know, it, it's too much lift to get them on board. Um, and again, they're, they're just not going to pay us enough to make it worthwhile for them or us. Yeah. Um, and so um, we will release all of our patches through the end of October. Um, so, you know, we're going to continue to provide, we have some long-term contracts with our, our clients through the end of October. So we'll continue to release Drupal 6 LTS security patches uh, and updates through the end of October for free as open source. Um, but then, you know, uh, the last day of October is sort of the official, um, you know, winding down of Drupal 6. Um, after that, there will be uh, no support from any organization uh, yeah. for that platform. Yeah, exactly. And uh, we've mentioned on several occasions, uh, the Drupal PSAs, if you're hearing that and you actually don't know where those are, where those come from, uh, drupal.org slash security has sort of the portal for things like PSAs, security advisories, information about the security team. So uh, a PSA about this upcoming wind down of the D6 program is posted there and the other ones we talked about as well, if you wanna jump back in and get caught up on all those details. The uh, public service announcement 2022-0309, uh, <laughs> I love the names of these things, is yep. the official uh, formal announcement uh, for the end of life of Drupal 6 uh, LTS. Uh, obviously, that just came out uh, two days ago. And uh, the end of an error, it's, it's sad to see it go, but um, we can hold our heads high that it, it lasted so long. Absolutely. Tim, thank you uh, so much for, for joining us again. Um, really appreciate it, giving us insight and walking us through all of that. Yeah, thank you again very much for having me. Um, you know, thank you for being participants in this uh, end of life process and extended support program um, and for everything you did for the, the D6 organizations out there for so many years. Um, before we sign off here, I again just want to encourage folks do go ahead and check out that drupal.org slash security page if you're just curious about this process for some more things. Do consider reaching out to the Drupal Association if you want to contribute to the project to help support Drupal 7. Um, we can help get you oriented if you just don't know how to get started, so we'd be happy to talk to you about that. Uh, and also consider joining us at DrupalCon in Portland. We're back in person for the first time. It's going to be in my home city last week of April. I'm really excited for that. Um, it's going to be a good experience. The timing seems to be working out with uh, the pandemic and everything. And of course, you know, follow your, your own personal uh, considerations about what you feel safe with. But we're looking forward to a great reunion and homecoming with the community. DrupalCons are essential to community, uh, to Drupal. Um, so many great memories and stories from, from DrupalCon. So if you haven't been, I highly recommend that you check it out. Um, and also, you know, please support the Drupal Association, um, you know, become an individual member, become an organizational member, you know, get involved in Drupal, whether it's from a resource standpoint or a financial standpoint, the health and success of the community is predicated on the health and success of the code base and the Drupal Association. So... Um, all the links we uh, mentioned today, uh, the security team link, the PSA link, we'll put all of that in the uh, show notes so you can easily access that. Uh, please remember to upvote, subscribe, and share this out to folks that you think might be interested in end of life. We want to get the word out and help everybody understand the extension and what that means for them. You can check out our past Tag One team talks at tag1.com. 
TTT. That's T-A-G, the number one.com slash TTT. And as always, we'd love your feedback, topic suggestions. You can write to us at TTT at tagone.com. Uh, thank you to everyone who tuned in and listened. Tim, thank you so much for joining us again. Always great to have you. Thanks, Michael. Take care.